Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 289 on Tuesday, the 19th of November, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And during a week where we say hello to some old names, we'll be asking, what do the Dutch know that the Germans don't? We wonder how green one's credentials are if you chop down an historic forest. And we wonder what the collective name for a group of unicorns is. But first, we move on to not the follow-up, dun-dun-dun, but new news. Can I just point out, there is actually some follow-up going on right at the moment, actually, in that there is the NTSB hearing about who is culpable in the Uber crash, but it's still going on, so it's not finished yet as we record, yep. so it can't be follow-up. So I'm sure it'll be follow-up next week. So there's almost follow-up. It's, it's, it's actually concurrence for once. Um, so yeah, so next week there will be follow up. But meanwhile, over in Holland, they have decided, or it's been announced, the government has made the decision that they are going to reduce their speed limit down to 62 mile an hour or 100 uh, kilometers per hour, which is more relevant, because they need to cut their nitrogen oxide emissions. It's only two, three weeks ago that the Germans said hmm. reducing the speed limit on the autobahn wouldn't have any, would have a negligible effect on reducing yeah. pollution. So uh, I'm, I'm a bit confused at this. The story of this, as far as I was told last week when I was in the Netherlands, uh, and it wasn't me that brought it up over over lunch, by the way, and it was just as it happened, is that the. Th- Three, the top three uh, nitrogen oxide emit- emitters or top three nitrogen oxide emitting industries and sectors are number one, agriculture, mm-hmm. number two, construction, yep. and number three, road vehicles. Okay. And there's quite a big gap between two and three. So what happened was they said, no, nope, we've got to cut this. We'll be, we'll be speaking to the farmers because we really need to cut this and see about doing that. So the farmers all came with hundreds of tractors and blockaded all the motorways and all the, the, all the motorways and all the roads in and around the Hague and the parliament and caused complete chaos. So they said, oh, oh, okay. Maybe we need to think about this. And then they said, right, we've got to do something about construction. And construction said, well, uh, we'll have to just stop all our construction between now and the end of the year then. So, uh, who's going to, uh, who's going to pay the unemployment benefit? Who's going to actually, you know, what are we, you know, all these people, we're going to have to stop the projects. They're all going to be unemployed and, and redundant. So if you want that on your conscience and to explain to the electorate, okay. And so they went, oh, well, the drivers can't do anything about it. So we'll cut the speed limit on the drivers. Mm. They've done nothing of the farmers. Nothing about construction and they've lowered the speed limit, which is really annoying everyone because they just see it as a way of, of, of raising revenue, uh, rather than, uh, rather than anything else. So word on the street, not very happy with this one. Actually, I think the, the Germans may well have possibly got it right on this one. That makes a bit more sense. Dutch drivers not so happy. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it does look in the motoring research article as though the, the prime minister, prime minister or president? Yeah, the prime minister. Sorry, in Holland, Mark Rutte. From the quotes that are taken out, it seems from what they're saying is that they desperately have to make some movement to reduce it. And from what you've said there, that does help explain why they've picked on is not quite the right word, but chosen the motorist. Again, we return to what we were talking about with the Bristol thing and the ULES zone. 
These are Mm -hmm. very complicated and multi-layered problems. And there are many, many factors of society involved in all these things. So pretending that there is a simple one hit will fix it all solution is incorrect. And we as a society, everyone involved need to grow up and understand that and start realizing there's going to have to be some very difficult decisions made as long. And and I think we need to understand that people are going to be unhappy because we're going to have to change how we do things. What I would say as, as a balance to that though, is as long as we are properly communicated with, listened to, and it is explained to everyone why this is happening with the full, these are the benefits. However, these will be the consequences as well. And then everyone's able to understand mm-hmm. why it's, you know, because there's, there's nothing here where everybody comes out smelling the roses and it all works and no, there's no problems. We are all going to be impacted by the changes that we need to make for cleaner air and reducing CO2, reducing our emissions full stop in all parts. So we have to understand that we are now going to have to make some sacrifices in how we do things compared to now. Agreed. Anyway, anyway sorry, before I... Uh, you know, run for galactic president on the balanced and moderate standpoint. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Volkswagen. De- death shall we? to touch screen, Jess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's almost related, I guess, that it's all about changing how, how you're going to do things. Volkswagen held a big event the the other night recently, so showing off the ID3. Mm-hmm. At it, they expanded on their electrification plans uh, and the fact that they're committing to spend more than fifty billion pounds in the development of electric and hybrid technology over the next five years. The investment plan involves around $28 billion to be spent on electric models and $23 billion to be spent on hybrid and digital tech. And it's all been approved by the Volkswagen Group Supervisory Board, uh, and it's all been, been green-ticked uh, right the way through. They're aiming to launch up to 75 all-electric models. Now, remember, that's across Audi, Bentley, Porsche, uh, Seat, Skoda, and Volkswagen. And that's a few more than they, they announced earlier, and about 60 hybrids. So we're going to see a major hybridization and electrification change. Yeah, think think of the to- the the Toyota and Lexus range, and that's what we're we're gonna end up with, isn't it? Engine wise, yeah. I I foresee, with a few diesels mm-hmm. for those those use cases where a diesel is the most appropriate engine. Out of all that, and what, as they implement that, they're expecting to produce around twenty six million fully electric cars and nearly six million hybrids. So, big push towards full EVs, BEVs. By the end of 2029, about 20 million to be based on the MEB platform. So that's going to be the ID3 platform, which will spawn. Doubtless, it will spawn SUV things and people carriery things and vanny things and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, lots and lots of investment in there over the next uh, over the next quite a few years. Yep, over the next ten years. But be aware that that fifty billion was over the next five years, and then those numbers for vehicles is over the next 10 years. So there's two different timescales being talked about in there, just in case, like me, you thought, gosh, those seem very high numbers. Yeah. It's interesting. They appear to be they appear to be going all in as they said they would, uh, as they have been forced to, mm-hmm. thanks to Dieselgate, legally, but also as a result of changes in legislation, again, thanks to Dieselgate. I think it's really accelerated stuff, to be honest. 
Moving on, and Audi have a new boss. Is Marcus Duesman has been appointed the CEO of Audi with Bram Schott, who will be leaving in April 2020. Who he took over when there was there was all the problems with Rupert Stadler. Yeah, where Stadler was arrested, he stepped into the fill the breach. Um, but now they've uh, they've they've agreed that Schott will leave. Uh, and Usman's going to take over. He used to be at BMW. He used to be at Mercedes-Benz. And he was also a head of development for the BMW Sauber team. An outsider, finally. <laughs> a bit, yeah. In a way, it's a bit of a shame in that Bram Schott did sound like a fantastic character from a Dracula novel. <laughs> for a horror film. Brilliant name for yes. that. But to be fair to him, he has been trying to change the culture in Audi, which must be an incredibly difficult thing to do. Because they've, they've said he's trying to reduce the hierarchies. This is according to Schott. Make fewer hierarchies, a clear value system, and more openness. Now, that's that's a massive cultural change in any company. And as we all know, cultural change in a company is the most difficult thing to implement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell me about it. Far harder than tools and software anyway. Yes, yeah. And, and especially some of that stuff, I think, in, in, uh, in very entrenched German companies is particularly, particularly tricky. Mm. Uh, just the way the culture is. Yep. Definitely don't envy him that. No. Should we move on to uh, probably the most controversial subject of the week, Alan? Definitely the most controversial. I can't believe that you actually added it to the running order this week. I, I was tempted. <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was very tempted to add this story myself and thought, oh dear, can I, can I deal with it? But the Advertising Standards Agency has ruled that Lexus self-charging hybrid ads are not misleading. Uh, 25 people challenged whether the claimed self-driving hybrid was misleading because they believed it misrepresented the way in which the battery was charged. I bet I can put money on what? Ooh, at least four-fifths of those people drive. I think we can probably name three or four of them. <laughs> I think we can name most of them, yes. Uh, so I just want to read out what the Advertising Standards Agency response was because I think it's quite interesting. It says... Because the ads did not misrepresent the way in which the electric battery was recharged by using the petrol engine, we concluded they were not misleading. And it goes on. Also, the Advertising Standards Agency agreed with Toyota by, uh, in, and I'm quoting here again, consumers would interpret the ads to mean that the Lexus UX was a new model of self-charging hybrid cars. And it was noted the ads did not include content which implied the battery was charged via plugging in. In conclusion, ASA said, we considered the ads did not contain any references to other types of car, hybrid or otherwise, and did not make any stated or implied claims in relation to the car's environmental impact. We therefore considered consumers would be unlikely to view the ads as a comparison, which implied the self-charging hybrid engine was an improvement, including by being more environmentally friendly compared to other types of hybrid vehicle. Ooh, uh, that'll be the bit where the car drove past people waiting to plug in their cars. <laughs> that'll be what people were complaining about there. Hmm, <laughs> little bit, yes. yes. I never disagreed with with the use of the language. And as we've mentioned on the show, I think it was how else do you succinctly get this across to hmm. people in a in a sentence? However, the, some areas of the advert tone were perhaps 
deliberately pushing some buttons of people. Yes, yes, I think that that's a fair thing to to say. Yeah, I, I think that that is that is fair. But what I think it really means is we can all stop getting our knickers in a twist over self charging hybrids. <laughs> 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 you I can dream, so. Alan. I can dream. You really think that's going to happen, no, do you? not at all. <laughs> yes, you can. You can. Right, I'm going to move on. Talking about getting knickers in twists and etc. We are covering an article about Elon Musk. And it is from Spiegel Online, the German newspaper. Uh, and they're talking about how... Uh, how Elon Musk worked to get the approval or stroke make the decision to build the Tesla plant just south of Berlin. And it's quite an interesting article, which I thoroughly mm-hmm. encourage you to read from the point of view of look how they went about it and look how, as this is reported, everyone fell over themselves to offer up the the space to tesla i think what we have to remember about this by the way is the politicians were fawning like mad i mean just that's a polite way of putting it i used a term earlier on before we started recording that i've i've been told i'm explicitly not allowed to use which was maybe a little more graphic than that that was the politicians that was not absolutely not the uh, civil servants and the administrators who actually do the policing of this. Yep. Okay, so let's be aware that whilst the politicians are going, oh, Elon, Elon, come build here in this otherwise protected native forest <laughs> uh, for which you're going to have to cut down 700 acres, then the administrators and the civil servants have already declined the initial emailed Oh, what's the word, Andrew? Application. Application. That's the word I was looking for. The initial emailed application, because it was emailed and not on paper, and therefore they couldn't deal with it because you have to submit it on paper. And I think that gives you a fairly good uh, a fairly good idea of how that's going to go. It's very interesting the way that Tesla went around about this by always pushing the politicians and saying, we have to be, we'll be here with our tick boxes on this day and you've got to be there and we're only going to be there for two days and you've got to answer these questions straight away and i think that that's probably be viewed as quite an interesting negotiation tactic Mm. by some of our listeners and some of our followers it's a bit look who has the upper hand here in my mind i mean i'm I'm not an expert in these things that's merely how i i view it Um, and i'm sure that they could one could write a paper on that uh, of its own of its own accord uh, just the, the style that's very very different i may be able to ask an expert on these things and they, they could analyze this and give us a qualified mm. interpretation of it but uh yeah i, I may do that at some point mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yes I, I i should have read this earlier and then would have been able to give you time it's also interesting how much is being alleged in subsidies is being offered and it's interesting that before they even submitted for the proper approval, they were asking for subsidies, which if you followed us, Tesla, and more importantly, Ed Niedermeyer, for any length of time, because he is mentioned in this article as well, then that is Tesla textbook building somewhere 101 playbook. It really is 
uh, just how mm. they do things. But but Andrew, it's just another. It's just another billion to add to all the others. Mm. Yes, but is this a building uh, a billion in the black or a billion in the red? Who knows? It depends where you are in the month. Yes, uh, in the quartering. <laughs> yes. Sorry, this is why we don't cover tester stories. By the way, well, no, because also the the tone of this article is incredibly. I think we used the word fawning again. Uh, and people can use stronger language than but, that. But it was, and I was like, oh, goodness, I'm going to be sick. I'm sitting here eating my dinner. What on earth is this? And then it was like, and at the end, they they quote Ed Niedermeyer, and I'm like, what? That's a bit of a change of tone there. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems so, such a so sudden flick. It's a sudden switch has been flicked, like five paragraphs from the end. It's like, oh, okay. Well, what I think it actually... In an attempt to be balanced. I, but, I think it actually shows is a little bit of the German psychology and psyche at the moment. I think they're feeling very, um, very much under pressure because they ha- their much vaunted car industry has been shown to be a little bit naughty on a few occasions. Mm-hmm. Mercedes-Benz have reduced their have recently reduced their profit warnings, citing legal payments as one of the reasons why. Volkswagen is obviously feeling a lot of pain on that side of things, uh, the Volkswagen Group, mm-hmm. so that covers it. So this this proud and, and could have been thought to be justifiably proud industry is not the flag-waving bearer of every look, everything in, from Germany is good. And so to pull in a company as as good at getting PR and and seen as at the forefront of technology will make them feel a bit of a coup because, oh, look, he came to us because we've got great engineers and see, we're still good. We're still good. Mm-hmm. Look at us. We're still all right. And it's it's a bit of a relief of actually we're not criminals. We're not bad. And I think there's a bit of that going on in the way that it's been dealt with by the press. I think that I think that's a very good set of points just there. That certainly were, were, were very valid points there, Andrew. That really pained me to say that. I'm sorry. I think that that's I, th- I think that there's there's probably a lot of truth in that. Yes, yes. I- enough Musk now for another six months, please. Let's move on now, Alan. If you can, if you can tell us how the best way we could make money really quickly. But what we could do? How's about this, Andrew? As a way of making money really quickly, if what we did was we we set ourselves up as a council in England, mm-hmm. and we we set some some amazing parking charges. Okay. Is there, is there anywhere in particular that we, we, we could target? Central London is very okay. good. Uh, Westminster uh, is particularly awesome because in the last year, they brought in £69 million pounds, uh, through parking-related activities. Just to, so that I understand this right. So for painting a few lines on a street and installing a few places where people could put money and adding a few signs to say you're only allowed here mm. for this long or you're not allowed here at all, they made 69 million quid. Yes. Okay. Yes. In total, in 2018-2019, local authorities in England brought in £1.746 billion. Pounds. The amount spent on running that is £816 million. Pounds. So about fifty percent of that is gross profit. Of all of that, the of that one point seven four six billion four hundred and fifty four million pounds were from penalties, which is up six point six percent year on year from twenty seventeen twenty eighteen. Some of it's, I mean, uh, 
Really, the top 20, 17 of the 20 councils making the most money are in London. Westminster Council, as I said, brought in £69 million. Brighton and Hove, Birmingham and MK uh, were the only three in the top 20 not within not within the, the capital. Uh, that said, where I parked in Milton Keynes earlier on today, it was £2 an hour, so it's relatively steep. Yes, this is all reported by the RAC Foundation, by yeah. the way. To be honest, I mean, when you think about it, there's an awful lot of cars parked street side and in in central London and all over all over the place everywhere. So it's little wonder that it's actually quite such a high number. Mm. There's a lot of parking spaces within that number. And once you've got a parking space, you don't really have to invest in it that much. No. no. And stuff like the pay by text parking and stuff or pay by pay online parking is actually I mean it certainly reduces, you know, it's it's cheaper to maintain a sign than it is to maintain a parking ticket machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, it also benefits us, the consumer, because, you know, you get an alert when your, your parking is about to run out and you can extend it, you know, remotely and all that kind of thing. So actually, it's it's good for both sides. It's definitely cheaper for the council to run. But for us, the consumer, we're less likely to get to get a ticket and get a penalty as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, there's swings and roundabouts in all of this and the way that they're doing it. Yeah. And it's not a ridiculous percentage from penalties either. I, I don't think it is. It's that ridiculous looking at no, the overall exactly. figure. It is about a quarter, to be honest. And yeah. if you don't park in the wrong place, then you won't get the penalty. So they're kind of optional too. Anyway, that's us roughly at the halfway mark, I think. I think so. And that means it's time for Guilt Minute, that point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth to you. If you feel it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. If, of course, you're already a patron, then thank you so much. Um, but we understand that not everyone has the ability to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all that, then you really are wonderful. But how's about costing a friend who you think would enjoy this and telling them all about us? If for some reason you don't actually subscribe to the show, how's about doing so for free from a podcast player, uh, which are also available for free? Uh, making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you may miss out on the next awesome show. Uh, only a given, given level of awesome is implied. Yes. <laughs> Depends if we got guests on. <laughs> Yes. Come on, Formula E is back. Yes, this weekend marks the return of Formula E with a double header in Diria in Saudi Arabia. It's great to have it back. I feel that it's been months. In fact, it has been months uh, <laughs> since there was a Formula E race. Yes. This is great to see. I don't really know what there is uh, to say about it yet, about the, the race itself. I'm hoping, well, last year was the first one. I'm hoping it's a little bit more exciting Um exciting uh this year than it was than it was last but last year of course it was the first race with these new cars that could go all the way through so nobody really knew what was going to happen it was all a bit up in the air um people are more used to them now they've actually got some experience some racing experience in them so it's going to be interesting to see just what happens hopefully it won't be as as simultaneously damp and dusty as last year's was yeah you can watch those. If you go to Formula E website, you can find out exactly where you can watch it. But the BBC will have it, will have every single race available uh, live and free to wear, uh, as well as some of the, the other streaming options as well. That's good news that it's still staying on the BBC. I think it's excellent, yes. Yeah, so it'll be live streaming on BBC iPlayer and the website. 
Yep. Uh, which, of course, you can get on telly boxes and stuff. 72% of Formula E fans on social media are now aged under 35. So we're... We're not in that. <laughs> we, we don't fit in that demographic, sadly. <laughs> uh, the other piece of Formula E news is the Santiago Epri has been confirmed as taking place on January the 18th next year. It was not confirmed in the calendar because there's been quite a lot of uh, civil unrest in in Chile. Uh, However, various things have happened uh, with sort of with with Chilean politics, uh, amendments to the constitutions, uh, which are going to be presented as referend as a referendum, all sorts of bits and pieces which to which are aimed at helping quell the the unrest uh, from protesters angry at perceived social and economic inequality in South America's most affluent country. He says, quoting Sam Smith on eRacing three six five. Just in case you think that's my opinion and you take umbrage with it, so it looks like that's going to happen. It is being it is being promoted. Um, no doubt people will still be keeping a close eye on what's happening. Yep, absolutely. But what about South Africa, Andrew? Well, South Africa has been the home of Bloodhound Land Speed Records testing, and that has now, sadly, well, sadly because it's come to an end, because it's been fascinating to watch, even from this from this distance, because of the, as we've said many times on the show, the amount of information they kept us up to date with and the amount of openness they had, uh, and the behind the scenes we got to see, and all these other things that were just brilliantly done by the by the team, especially the social media team. So congratulations to them on on that side of things. I hope that's really boosted the uh, popularity and awareness in the country. We were, and obviously listeners mm-hmm. of the Motion Podcast were very much aware of this because we've harped on about it for quite some time. But uh, hopefully this now helps to bring in more funding and, and the rest of it. But the, the main point of being in South Africa was for them to test and see how close their computational fluid dynamics, I'm quoting directly from the Autocar article uh, that was from James Atwood, because uh, I can't use long words like that normally, uh, and just seeing how accurate their, their estimates were compared to real life. So they've had, they, there's 192 sensors hmm. on the vehicle. And they are then able, after they run through the various upgrades of speed they have done progressively through the time there, uh, they're able to see, oh, yes, that is what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't expect that and all the rest of that sort of stuff. That you this is what testing is all about. But they, they hit a final top speed of 628 mile an hour or 1,010 kilometers per hour. So then from all this information, they will be able to work out what size and power for the Namo-built rocket that they need to strap on to Bloodhound to get it up to the final uh, record speed attempt. Yeah. So this is all with without the the extra yeah. <laughs> rocket. So this is without the extra rocket, but I read so- somewhere uh, that, you know, the speed that, the, that they got up to, which is only about two-thirds of what they're – just about two-thirds of what they're aiming to do – uh, it was only something like eight miles an hour off the land speed record set by Thrust 2. That's how close it actually is. It's flipping quick already. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I really, really hope it brings in the sponsorship and investment needed. You know, Ian Warhurst is saying that they hope to be back out at the hack scheme pan in the next 12 to 18 months. I really hope so as well. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be so cool. I'm so pleased that the car has worked as they hoped. 
some parts of the airflow around the cars, especially around the struts holding the rear wheels, the airflow is already supersonic and stripping the paint off the body. Is that the bit that's got your name on? Unbelievable. <laughs> no, it's at the top. You know what? I did actually download the PDF. There's a searchable PDF. And the trouble is I've only ever downloaded it on a mobile device and not on anything which uh, which, on which I can actually search within it. <laughs> so I do need to do it properly and find out just where my name is up on the back there. Yeah. Great stuff. I'm so proud of that as a project. No, but I'm I'm delighted. After after speaking to Mark Chapman on Rearview and and finding out what it's been like to be there from the beginning, or almost the beginning, uh, I'm really chuffed hmm. with the people who have been working on the project. And there was a picture taken of the whole team that's there, and it's not that many people. In reality, hmm. it is a very small no. team where people are doing multiple roles and having to as Mark said in, in the interview, multiple roles plus multiple ways of coming at a problem, you know, uh, and that's mm-hmm. showing real innovation, in my opinion. It's it's. I scoff a lot at when you hear big tech companies or Silicon Valley and those things, oh, innovation, innovation, innovation. No, what these guys do are doing a real innovation because they're, if they're finding something is suitable, that's, that's it then. So that can be the trigger for mm-hmm. a, an electric drill that we can buy off the, off the shelf in B&Q, or it can be how they design the wheel. You know, that, that's, that's true innovation for me, and it's brilliant. And I, I wish them all the very best, and I am so happy that it's gone so well for them. Agreed. Really agreed. Yeah, totally. And, and do go listen to that review with Mark Chapman. It's, it's really good. You've complimented me twice now. He was really good. I didn't say you were. That's better. That's better. That's more like it. You're making me nervous. <laughs> that's, that's far more like the tone we expect around here. Lunchtime read uh, this week is from driving.co.uk, which is the Sunday Times driving supplement. It is a piece by Nick Trott about uh, racer remembrance from weekend before last and I'm not going to tell you who you know all about Race Remembrance. We're going to have a special edition as well, because Andrew went and spoke to loads of people um, whilst I was wandering around taking photographs of loads of people and loads of cars. It's a really, really good piece. It's it's one of the best I've read on on, on, on Race Remembrance and just what it's all about. Yep. And, yeah, do go spend the time and have a read. There's some lovely photos in there as well, by the way. There are. I forget who they're by. Some great pictures uh, and some great words as well. So do uh, spend 15 minutes or so. Uh, link, as always, is in the show notes. Uh, if you go to motoringpodcast.com, then it's pretty obvious where you click to find the notes for this particular mm-hmm. show. James Wadham is the photographer. Yeah, really yeah. nice ones. Well done. Yeah. So fantastic stuff. Right, list of the week. And this is from Autocar, and it is uh, Unicorns, the rarest cars on British roads. And there's there's some crackers in here. I have issues with parts of this list. I was going to say, I want to come to one particular car and ask a question because I, I believe the information in the autocar article is incorrect at this point. Is wrong. <laughs> so uh, I assume it's the Vega, yes, by the is. way. There, there's, some, there's some great cars. I mean, for example, they've yeah. got the Suzuki X90, of which I've seen a few. Things like that. There's... The, Do you not want to know what's wrong with the aircross bit? I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. So then there is... 
Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So then there is the Vey Cross, uh, and it says, which I, I'm not sure, it says there's only three made it to this country. Yeah, that's what's wrong. I've got a picture of three. I was going to say that. And I've driven at least one other. Yeah. And I've got in this country... And yeah, it, it's, 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 that's not right. I know that one was brought in by IM Group, uh, who are the, uh, Subaru and, uh, Isuzu importers. That has been confirmed to me. Uh, but that was it. Uh, but there are many more gray imports, in, including the, the one what I owned for a decade or so. I've seen green ones. I've seen other silver ones. I've, I've seen about 10 in this country. And I've seen, I've seen a yellow one on eBay. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty awful. I think it's an American import. Is it an American import? There is definitely an American import yellow one mm. somewhere around. Other fun cars include the Toyota Urban Cruiser, which somebody accused of having the most sinister-sounding name <laughs> of any car ever. <laughs> that was quite funny. Yeah, there's some there's some yeah. real real humdingers, and there's some real crackers in here. You know, there's there's lots of there are there are actually loads of good loads of good things in there. They're not the first off thing, the car that you would have thought yeah. of. And there's some, I mean, there's there's a Zafira VXR in there, Mike. The garage I use had stroke has one as a courtesy car with a hilarious dump valve, <laughs> massive mushroom filter. Get yeah, lots of good stuff in there. So that's another. That's a good. That's a good time waster for a lunchtime as well. Another another five or six minutes flicking through that. Absolutely, uh, as well is is cracking. Yep. And finally, this week we're talking about Morris Commercial and the new in inverted commas GE electric van. Isn't it cute? If Noddy drove a van, it would look like it is. It is fantastically cute. It really is. I mean, it's been out of production for it says thirty-two years, which seems not that long. That seems like rather a short <laughs> period of time. I'm sure it's longer than that. Thirty-two years means it was made within my lifetime. Yes, to a level where I would have remembered. Yeah, I should be remembering this. <laughs> I imagine it's really forty-two or fifty-two years, really. Yeah, um, it just seems a bit strange. I, I should probably have looked that one up. But it's it's a little cutie, classic, styly van. It, it's expected to have two hundred mile range, thousand kilo payload, five point five cubic meter carrying capacity, which is about the same. The same weight, anyway, that you'd expect a three and a half ton van to uh, to carry, rather than something much smaller. Mm. And it's cool, you know. It's got a fully carbon fiber body and everything, so it's lightweight and it's and it's it's rigid and stuff. Then there's the price tag, but it's about they they're expecting it to be sixty thousand pounds, and it's really cute, absolutely but lovely. That's with, but I that's don't with get who the market the, are. Uh, Grant as well, three and a three and a half grand. Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand that price. I don't think it's a good price to sell, but I can because uh, it. I mean, in reality, what's it going to be a month? That's the key, isn't it? But but it looks so lovely, though. Andrew. I know, I know. That real that's that's exactly it. If you've got this for six, if you're expecting to keep it on the fleet for six years, it's so cute that if you're in any way vaguely retro, then it's marketing as well as delivery and stuff. It is really sweet. I really want it to survive. Yeah. But it is such a cute little noddy van. No, absolutely. And I, I like the idea of a cute little noddy van. Uh, you can see certain companies and certain, particularly shops, delivery shops and stuff like that, this is absolutely perfect for them. This this would hmm. fit their vibe and all the rest of it, especially in their own colours and everything. It, it would just 
do such a, a, a wonderful job if they can swallow the price. You know what it slightly reminds me of? And it's electric as well, so it shouldn't cost that much to run. You know what it slightly reminds me of is when Mini did the minivan. Yeah. I don't mean the original one. I mean the one that was based on the older Clubman, you know, the attractive Clubman. Yeah. Relatively attractive Clubman. With the door, with the little lifestyle door on the wrong side, because <laughs> it was only engineered for left-hand drive, which was actually what bugged me enough to, to 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 never consider buying one. But I, but when they did the van version of that, I thought that was really cool. I still mm. do. I mm. saw one not so long ago. They're really quite rare because they were quite dear. But again, it was snapped up by florists and all sorts of companies like that. And that I see that it's the same, that same market. But actually, this is more practical than the mini was. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I really hope it succeeds. I hope it succeeds because as much as we and we started the show banging on about cars and private ownership, it is the commercial... It's what we do every week. It's, it's the commercial, commercial vehicles which are going to make as much, if not more, of an impact than cars, I think. Particularly mm. as we have more and more deliveries, we do more shopping online, we do more getting stuff brought to us, so... Yeah, absolutely. I think this, hopefully this works and hopefully people go, yeah, we want a slice of that. I hope so too. Awesome. Yeah, which brings us towards the end of the show. A couple of parish notes. Last, was it last Friday? Review with Chris Hughes? No, last Friday was a Bangonomics special edition. So it was. I'm so sorry. Yes, Friday before was the review with Chris Hughes. There is no yeah. rear view this fr- week. Fr- fr- well, yes, but I should, n- I should know it off by heart. Yeah, no rear view this week. So why not go back and listen to what can I think of from the uh, from the rear view randomizer? Who's a good person? Roy Lanchester. Listen to the Roy, Roy Lanchester one again. Yes, yes. There's a very good. There's there's a there's a cracker. I hate saying that any of the rear views are better than any of the others. By the way, because no, I it's... don't tend to think that they are. And I can't say it's they're like my children because I can't pick and I but I can easily pick between my children. It's not a problem. They all know that. <laughs> <laughs> However, I can't yeah. between the rear views because everyone who's come on has been brilliant to talk to. You can't with the rear views. No, exactly. Yes, on which which great big self dug hole. Dad of the year. Um, I think it is probably time to round up. Yes, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> So, yes, folks, don't forget that between now and next week, uh, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show. It's at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer, available at motoringpodcast.com. And please, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, if people want to get in touch with you, how should they do it? Best way for them to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you personally and wonder why you personally are the one who is the Toyota Stroke Lexus reporter for the show, uh, what is the best way for them to do that? They can do that via Twitter, where it's normally pretty darned obvious <laughs> where i am at ajp bradley that's b-a-d-l-e-y we well you'll be back next week i possibly won't be i will be back the week after though but until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring